Now this one's really good. This is um, how to crow well. Who am I to tell a crow how to be? A crow well knows his own mind and heart. He knows of the sky, the earth, and the treachery of man. He can read it loud in their minds as they strut here and thither with their too fat to fly bodies perched on hind limbs like the trunks of baby trees. He knows their treason too well, for they were once, almost, but not quite, friends. It all happened long ago when air was water, and water was not yet gathered into the seas. The crow had not taken to the sky, for the sky was not real yet, and besides that, the crow had no wings. Man was there. Man lived with crow on the ground, and sometimes they went out drinking together to the local watering hole, which is to say that they sipped from the opposite sides of muddy puddles and croaked and called to each other across the way. Worms and water were their fare, for they were no quicker than your average rock when it came to catching the faster things of the land, mainly toads and proto-sharks the size of hamburgers that, for all their diminutive stature, were as quick as popcorn flying into your eye. Man, back then, wasn't much bigger than a small toad. He'd only just crawled out of the proto-sea, which was more like a salty lake behind the, pile of a, uh, behind the back of a pile of hot rocks and was not even up on his hind legs yet, much less swinging in the trees that didn't even exist, it being too hot for that sort of exertion anyway. One day, a crow and a man were sitting by a muddy puddle, looking at their respective bellies, which were as full of dirty water as they could get them. The man was thinking of whether it was too soon to invent Marmite-flavoured Chris yet, and the crow was thinking typically, of clear blue sky, which was, for similar reasons, as strange as the man's thought of crisps. They both felt the tremor at the same time. They both jumped to the same height, about an inch and a half, simultaneously, and then pretended, with almost identical expressions on their faces, the kind of affronted look that tomatoes get when they're told that they're not fruit, that they meant to jump in the air anyway. When the ball of fiery rock shot from the top of the mountain that, a moment before, had been nonchalantly pretending that it wasn't holding in the most enormous fart, they both followed its trajectory with their eyes. It wasn't quite like watching tennis, but more like watching the, the sky anxiously on hearing someone shout, Four! Four, goddammit! Move your blooming arse, you fool! In their direction. And if that's not plain enough for you, then let's try this. The ball of flaming rock was heading directly towards the puzzle puddle beside which the crow and man were sitting, and it was much bigger than the puddle, and the man and crow were sitting very close to the edge of the puddle. Now do you get the message? Well, the man looked across at the crow and the crow looked across at the man, and they could both see that they both had the same thought. And it was along the lines of, 
Oh well. But then, something extraordinary happened. Something that hadn't ever happened before. Something that would hardly ever happen again, but it was a significant something, nevertheless. nevertheless. The man leapt up, bounded across the puddle, and, with all his muscles straining out like never before, swept the crow up and carried him with inexorable momentum out of the path of the flaming rock, which slammed into the ground just a few worm lengths, about eight inches, behind them. Now, after all that, I bet you're wondering now why the crow doesn't trust the man, right? I mean, after all, he selflessly saved his ass in olden days, and for that you think he'd be a tad grateful, yes? Well, it would have been like that, but for what happened next. The crow, then as now, saw man's mind. He saw the man think of the heat of the rock, and he saw him think of the plumpness of the crow's flesh in his arms. He saw the man lick his lips without being aware that he'd done so, but he also saw the recipe for Kentucky Fried Crow appear spontaneously in the man's mind. And the crow was... One moment. And the crow was, understandably, pretty piqued about it. Well, the crow let out one big car and he wrenched himself away from the man. And that was that. Never again would they sit companionably around the same watering hole. Man realised that he could be quick when he wanted and got big from eating proto-sharks eventually driving them back into the sea. Crow put all his efforts into growing wings, and when he'd finished that, he took to living in the tops of eerie-looking trees and pooping on man's head whenever he could. And when Crow didn't have any poop in him, he persuaded pigeons to do it instead. But a part of them never forgot those simpler days when they just squatted and drank water together. When they come into contact now, it's mainly on football pitches after the players have gone home and the man fancies a sit-down and a snack. Man has finally invented Marmite-flavoured crisps and he sometimes puts one on the palm of his hand and stretches it out to the crow in a tempting fashion. But crow never comes, no matter how hard the man tries to mask his treachery with thoughts of the pure blue skies that Crow finally got. He knows man too well from olden times. Which is a bit of a shame really because a good many men today are vegans and would no more eat a crow than make snooker balls from leftover feathers. So that's that. Now you know how to crow well. Just keep away from man. Have a nice day.